Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview again, Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duquesne University in the School of Business. So as a reminder, Ron has worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA, the Sixers and the Nets, and then five years in the NCAA. So Ron, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Julian. Happy to be with you today. Great. It's great again to have you on the show. So Ron, hey, what I want to talk to you about today, there's a lot to cover, right? So we'll talk about the NBA and the uh, in-season tournament. The Lakers just won the tournament. And then we'll go over the MLS. Uh, Columbus won the MLS uh, playoff finals. I will also touch on Messi as well. And then we'll we'll talk about the NFL. I'd love to get your prediction for the Super Bowl. And then, of course, you know, I was at the uh, MLB meetings last week in Nashville. Uh, We'll talk about Otani uh, that signed a big contract with the Dodgers for $700 million for over 10 years. And then uh, we'll talk about tennis, Rafa Nadal. Uh, he's back in training. He's going to be back at the Australian Open Tennis uh, next month in Australia. And then we'll talk about uh, golf and especially the live that lends uh, John Ram the world number one for $300 million. And then uh, you'll talk about college football uh, as well as the Neil and, and Duke. So how does it sound? Sounds great, Julian. Let's kick it out. Great. So, hey, the first topic, uh, the, uh, the NBA, for the first time, they had an in-season tournament. And the Lakers ended up winning the tournament. So I think that LeBron James was very pleased by it, was very happy. So what do you make of this uh, in-season tournament? I think it's a way of getting some notoriety for the league, uh, not kind of having like a bland season, spice it up a little bit. I think it was a great idea. Yeah. Obviously, Vegas is where they did it at the T-Mobile Arena, which yeah. you know, we're gonna, one day we'll definitely have an NBA team there. Yeah. And the finals were Lakers versus Pacers, and the Lakers won 123-109. It seems like the star players, uh, Curry and uh, LeBron, got behind this. So that was very important for the— oh, Were they behind it? I think so. I think they were when the idea was approached to them, they said a lot of positive things about it. But I did a little research for our podcast today, and I found out that the winning team, the Lakers, each player and the head coach got a half a million dollars. That's not bad. The Pacers, each player and the head coach got two hundred thousand dollars. And then if you made it to the final four, each player and head coach got one hundred thousand. If you made it to the quarterfinals, you got 50 grand. So you might say, well, 50 grand, is that going to motivate somebody that's making 20 million a year? Yeah. Probably not. But the, the minimum wage in the NBA is 925, 925,000. Okay. So if you're going to tell me you're going to almost uh, give me 50% of what my overall salary is, if not more for being on that team, then I think that would motivate it, but you needed the star players behind it. And I think they got that. And I just yeah. to put it in perspective to kind of set up the rest of the podcast. The NBA's average salary is $9.7 million a year. 
Mm-hmm. Again, the minimum is nine and a quarter. The Major League Baseball, the average salary is four point nine million. The minimum is seven twenty, seven hundred twenty thousand a year. Yeah. And the NFL, the average salary is two point eight million with fifty three players on the roster. The NFL's minimum salary for rookies is seven fifty. 750,000. And then the NHL, the rookie uh, first year players, minimum salary 750 and the average is 3.5 million for hockey players with 23 players roughly on the roster. So boy, there's a big difference between the NBA and the rest of the league and certainly uh MLB. So in this case, uh, that money probably meant a lot to some of the the younger players in the league that are starting out and for the veteran players it was just one extra game that they had to play. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, like you said, I think Las Vegas, Las Vegas was a good location. I had some of my friends who were up there for, you know, for the, I guess, for the uh, the finals. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm sure they're going to repeat again next year. It's just a matter of time until we get an NBA team there. I mean, that's where all the, we get to see these rookies for the first time in the summer, you know, very well organized uh, Vegas summer league games right after the draft in July. Yeah. And we, uh, and by the way, just to finish out, uh, the assistant coaches had a pool of money and they've got 75% of what the head coach got. And that was sprinkled up amongst all the assistant coaches to finish that ball. That, 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 you understand why they were willing to do it then, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, and I, I think uh, it probably less maintenance games. It, it was uh, less games taken off if we could spice it up with a little bit of interest in uh, some financial gain. Yeah, makes sense. So, hey, the next topic I wanted to talk about today was the MLS. Uh, the MLS playoff final just ended, and Columbus ended up beating uh, the LAFC 2-1. So, um, you know, the, the LAFC were trying to repeat because uh, they won last year. But Columbus, I think they won the third for the third time. Uh, as a quick note, uh, the head coach of Columbus is actually a French guy. I think three seasons ago, uh, he was uh, coaching a club in France called Toulouse. They were relegated in the second division, so I think it was uh, it was kind of nice to see him, you know, winning the the MLS uh, uh, playoff final. So, yes. Uh, and then, of course, the next question is Messi, right? So next year, Messi is going to play a full season. I think they were talking about uh, having him uh, some additional help. Uh, I think they were talking about Suarez. Uh, so I think he's probably going to do even better next year with a full season. Um, so I think it was very uh, impactful for the MLS this year. He made obviously lots of money. So I think overall it was a good move for him to come to the to the MLS, and it was a good move for the MLS uh, as well. So yeah, definitely, think? definitely. And and if he can play next next spring, I think it only gets stronger. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of soccer, right? So I saw that Saudi Arabia. Uh, got the approval to host the 20, uh, 2030 Soccer World Cup, obviously in Saudi Arabia. And I keep in mind that the, 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 I mean, the World Cup in 2022 was already in the Middle East, in Qatar. Uh, one thing to notice is that uh, recently one of the biggest sponsors for FIFA is actually uh, one of the largest oil companies from Saudi Arabia. So I'm not going to hear and speculate, but it's probably not a coincidence. So. Yep. Makes sense. Right. So, um, but anyway, I think, um, yeah, it's interesting to see the World Cup going to other other regions, other countries. And, of course, the World Cup is going to be, uh, the next one is going to be in the U.S. in 2026. So, a lot to be excited about. 
and the city that that one will be in in 2026 is? I mean, it's all over the U.S. I mean, uh, it's going to be in New York, in Miami, in L.A., uh, right. and also in other countries, yeah. Well, well spread out. Yeah, Mexico, right? Mexico and That's Canada. Right. That's right, yeah. Mexico as well. It's basically North America is what it'll be in. Like, uh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if you consider Mexico, that's also South America, right? No, Mexico is considered North America. Oh, is it North America? Okay, my bad. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, hey, so the next topic, obviously, is the NFL. Uh, we're getting close to the Super Bowl in a couple right. of weeks. Uh, love to get your thoughts again on who you think are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Uh, there's also been reports about Bill Belichick potentially, and these are just speculations, right? That the Patriots might let him go. Uh, so I'll have to get your take on one, this, who's the favorite for the Super Bowl, and two, Bill Belichick. What, what is your take? Well, I mean, I, I think it would be silly to let him go if he wants to keep coaching. He's uh, getting a little longer in the tooth now. I don't think he forgot how to coach. It, it seems like if you make a mistake on a quarterback, you're destined yeah. to uh, be in trouble. That's an area you have to get right is your quarterback. And uh, the Mac Jones project with Alabama did not did not go well, uh, yeah. clearly. Yeah, uh, We have other examples of where Hall of Fame uh, coaches are, I don't, I maybe fired's a harsh word, but their contract doesn't get renewed. Andy Reid in Philadelphia, we knew he was a great Hall of Fame uh, coach, but he just kind of, years. what happens in coaching, I think you kind of, they they tone you out. This happens in the NHL all the time. I mean, we change coaches in the NHL more than any other sport, it seems like. Mm -hmm. And once the, you lose the players, eventually stuff leaks out of the locker room. And the coach, you know, Andy wasn't renewed, and he got gobbled up in just a moment with Kansas City and, you know, did very well, has done very well there. So we have the same dilemma here in Pittsburgh. Uh, locally, the, the talking heads – are wondering if Mike Tomlin is ever going to get back to the playoffs and could win him a Super Bowl. Meanwhile, anybody that knows anything about sports knows that he'll make the Hall of Fame when he retires. But, you know, are the players toning him out? And they, then things creep in like he's a player's coach or or is he uh, no discipline? You know, th those type of terms are being thrown around right now. So, you know, Andy Reid, the winningest playoff coach in Eagles history, he wasn't renewed. Could Bill be being shown the door? Sure. Sure. It could happen. I I I, I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon, but uh, you know, we could be wrong. And the same thing can happen here with Mike Tomlin. The one thing about the Steelers are they've only had three head coaches in 55 years. And they've mm -hmm. had a lot of success and a lot of stability. So you know, if you want to become the Cleveland Browns and be a revolving door, well, then, you know, go ahead. Keep keep flipping the coaches because that's usually what happens. Yep. Uh, and I, I've heard I've asked some friend about Bill, Bill Belichick. One of the and I asked him what, if he goes, then where he's going to go. And I think one of my friends said LA Chargers, I believe. But, you know, who knows? Uh, I, I'm like you. I, I think he's just going to stay. I don't see the Patriots letting him go. I think it's, it's it's done so much for the franchise. So you get him a good quarterback. And they'll be right in the thick of things again. And uh, if these franchises and these owners and these fans want to put Andy Reid on the street, they want to put uh, Mike Tomlin on the street or Bill Belichick, uh, I got a feeling that they'll bounce back and be picked up within hours of their department. Oh, yeah. Within okay. hours, they will have multiple offers. No questions. Uh, hey, uh, 
so you know the next topic I want to cover is the MLB. I was just in Nashville last week to catch up with MLB team at the MLB meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of energy over there. It was great. Obviously, everybody was talking about Otani. Where is he going to go? And obviously, um, you know, a few days ago, uh, they announced that the LA Dodgers signed him for seven hundred million dollars over ten years. So, right. What is your take on Otani and just the MLB meetings in general? There's a couple. Well, first of all, they're always fun. You know, it's always fun. Uh, this year, you said it was in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a wonderful city, right? It's yeah. so much fun down Broadway and and uh, so much going on. You can go to a lunch and there's live music right there. Yeah. But a couple quick stats. Number one, 70 million a year is more than eight of the major league baseball teams' salaries. The yeah. whole salary of the 25 players or the 40-man roster is for eight MLB teams, the Pirates being one of them, is less than 70 million. That's crazy. So that tells you that something competitive advantage here is broken. Number two, in 2012 the San Diego Padres were sold to the current owner for 600 million. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers just gave a player 700 million. So well, let, that's let, let that sink quite, in. You know, that you, sink yeah. in. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. You no, go I was going to say, I mean, he's quite unique, right? He's a hitter. He's a, he's a pitcher. I mean, he can do it all, but to your point, $700 million for one player. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Okay, so there's a couple other things that need to be said. You narrowed it down to Toronto. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's great. The guy dominated Japan. He's dominated the United States. Let's dominate a third country. Uh, the, can- the Canadians, the owners of the Toronto Blue Jays, would have to pay him in Canadian money about $1 billion to match. $1 billion. To match 700 well, the exchange rate. Yeah. They're not going to pay him in the Queen's money, right? Yeah. The players union would never let them do that to their players. You have to pay them in U.S. dollars. So that's almost the equivalent of about one billion or a thousand million of Canadian money. That's insane. Now, th- this was a problem. Now, the exchange rate isn't as bad as it used to be. This is why the Vancouver Grizzlies, their owner, went to a meeting about 25 years ago and said, hey, I lost. 40 million last year. And the other owners are saying you couldn't have lost 40 million. The TV money alone would offset that. He says, yeah, but I'm taking in discounted Canadian dollars at the door. My sponsorships are in Canadian dollars. My local TV money's in Canadian dollars, but you make me pay us dollars. So I said, I'll go anywhere. I'll go to Memphis. There's a lot of Grizzlies in Vancouver, but I don't know. There's a lot of Grizzlies in Memphis. So yeah, yeah, that's why they moved. That was one issue that was there. And then the other issue, they deferred a lot of the money. And mm-hmm. one of the things, uh, Seeger was a star shortstop for the Dodgers, and he was not resigned by the Dodgers, but he went to Texas. Do you know that there's no state tax, no state tax in Florida or Texas? Now imagine making 300 million plus over the next 10 years, and you don't have to pay state tax. That is a very attractive discount for players of that magnitude. California is one of the most highly taxed states in the country. Matter of fact, people that really enjoy living in California are leaving and going to Utah and they're going to Wyoming and Montana and Texas, where the tax base is not as strong. 
So a lot of that money is going to go to taxes. And then the other thing is the money is heavily deferred. And they do that for two reasons. Number one, the money is deferred so that they don't get taxed uh, on the luxury tax. The team goes over a certain number in payroll each year. They have to send money to the league office that some of these eight teams that are under 70 million get a piece of. This is just to keep competitive advantage. So it helps the Dodgers to defer the money. Mm-hmm. He isn't the first guy to defer money. Yeah. Brett Saberhagen has done it. Matter of fact, Max Serger is still pitching, and the Nationals owe him money, the Washington Nationals. Ken Griffey did it with Cincinnati. Uh, Todd Hilton did, Hilton did it with the Colorado Rockies. Like, it's not unheard of. A matter of fact, there's always a joke on July 1st of every year from 2011 to 2035, they call it Bobby Bonilla Day. Bobby gets 1.19 million with inflationary bumps, by the way, every single year on July 1st. Now he hasn't played for the Mets since 2000. And you might a, a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow because he's still I, getting paid. You mean he's still getting it's paid? It's called dollar cost averaging, and it's called and you can invest a dollar. So you're saying he's still getting paid? I'm sorry. Bobby Benilla will yeah. be paid until 2035. July 1st of 2020 is the final last payment. Now, deferred money is not as attractive as present present day money, obviously. But when you have players, as you, you've seen the documentary broke and how they blow their money and everything. Yeah. Well, this is one way in which if you're an agent and you really care about your your client, you defer the money because they can't spend money they don't have yet. Yeah, and that reminds me of, you know, another player, Kevin Garnett, is still getting paid by the Celtics. And I think 2025 is the last year he's going to pay. I think he's getting paid like three, four, five million dollars a year. And it's not uncommon to defer money. Yeah, it's not a and, bad deal. And it's not it? a bad deal. Uh, there was a great player from uh, named Luther Wright in 1994. He got drafted as a North Jersey kid. He got drafted out of... Uh, Seton Hall and he went to Utah and you know, he, he wasn't good with his money and uh, he, he washed out of the NBA, but his agent did the right thing. He had 1.1 million left on his deal and he went to the Utah jazz and said, please don't pay him what you owe him. You I'm not asking for extra money. I just Mm -hmm. want you to pay him for 10 years 150,000 as opposed to the 1.15 because he's got all these hanger honors that are taking the money. Yeah. And even Allen Iverson had money deferred to when he hit 45. Yeah, absolutely. And, and John Thompson from Georgetown who really cared about him, his coach, he knew about it. His agent knew about it. They wanted the money deferred so that he couldn't spend it. That's smart. I mean, that's my, yeah, smart agents to do that. So a lot of the money is also deferred. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, hey, uh, the next topic I want to cover, and I was uh, at the Rafa Nadal Tennis Academy back in uh, August in Mallorca. Right. Um, so uh, beautiful, you know, beautiful academy, by the way. Um, so Rafa Nadal, one of the best tennis players that ever played, is coming back. He's back on the, the on tennis court. I believe he's in Kuwait right now training, obviously trying to get ready for the Australian Open Tennis. But, uh, you know, what do you make of Rafa Nadal, one of the greatest, coming back this year, which is probably going to be his final year, and he wants to kind of end it at the, the, the Olympics in France 
and played double. I think with Akaraz, the young uh, Spaniards, the, the you know, the, so he's, he's almost like the next net out. What do you make I, of it? I think it's wonderful if he's good enough to make the team, and he can representing your country. You know, you talk to these NBA guys that get to play for the U.S. Olympic team or yeah, or their respective countries. Uh, it's it's very. Uh, it's very attractive to do that. It, it's, it makes you feel good. It uh, gives you a lot of pride in your country. Uh, I know the same thing's true of the NHL guys, right? Mm-hmm. Ovechkin and Malcolm want to play for Russia. Sid the Kid wants to play for Canada. Like, it's, it's, it's a lot of pride in that. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. If, if, if he can still be competitive, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, look, uh, all the fans want to see him back on the court. Uh, the other thing that's going to be interesting is that Novak Djokovic now, he's got more Grand Slam wins than any of the guys, right? Rafa, Federer, and him. So, right. I mean, can Rafa win another Grand Slam? Who knows? It's probably a long shot, right, right now. But I think it's great to see him back on the court. It's great for the fans, great for tennis. And, you know, he, he said recently, I don't want to be, you know, saying I'm going to end my career in a press conference room, right? Uh, right. So I think it's all good for him. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, hey, uh, the next topic I wanted to cover uh, is pro golf, right? So the Live League uh, recently uh, announced that John Ram, the world number one uh, at the PGA, joined the Live for $300 million. That's mm-hmm. a big deal, right? The, yes. You've got your best player joining the other league, which, by the way, we still don't know if they're going to merge together. It's still unclear to me. So what do you make of it? The final contracts are not signed yet, are they? No, I don't think so. And there's getting to be a little uncomfortable uh, concern about that. Yeah. So, so, yeah, for them to get the top guy, the top guy, then, yeah, sure, that makes them live even stronger. I think there's even more pressure maybe for the both of the leagues to merge, right? The PGA yes. and the Live. So. Definitely. But, or maybe maybe they're just a way for the Live to say, look, we don't need you guys. We don't need the PGA Tour anymore. It seems to be uh, a little bit of an awkward situation all of a sudden. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hey, the, the the next topic I want to cover obviously is you know cottage football. Uh-huh. Uh, can you talk about uh, what's going on there with the uh, seventy-five days and two thousand and one hundred players in the transfer portal? Uh, also, right. love so- to get your take on Bronny. You know, Bronny James, uh, who played his first game, uh, you know, following his uh, incident. Uh, right. yesterday so right right and it's great to see him back on the court and um his team lost that game and over yeah. time he played about 16 minutes so they're, they're going to bring him back slowly which i think is the wise thing to do for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. but uh yeah just to touch base on football we got alabama number four in the country with one loss playing michigan and that's a lot of juice in that game for sure and washington versus texas and both of them one out of the pack 12 which is this the last time we ever have a Pac-12 team? We're, we really don't have the Power 5 anymore. We have the Power 4 uh, versus an undefeated Texas team who actually beat Alabama. So to me, it's uh, a lot of upset people about Florida State being left off. Their yeah. power ranking wasn't as high as some of these others as far as the teams that they played in the ACC. But it's the first time ever with when we had a, four, a group of four that one of the Power 5s was undefeated and didn't get invited to the four. So that left a lot of bad taste in some uh, ACC and f- certainly Florida State's um, mouth, and, th- and, th- and that's a problem. But next year, we're going to 12 teams. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, of course, next year, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, and 16th team won't be happy. But uh, this is uh, unfortunate that Florida State wasn't there. Uh, effective at 12.01 on December 4th, you have 75 days in football to put yourself into the transfer portal. I have heard is as many as 1,500 to 2,100 are already in it. Mm -hmm. uh, Now, here's where we kind of marry the whole idea about nil, name, image, likeness. There's a quarterback at Duke, Riley Leonard. The rumor is he was offered $5 million to go to Notre Dame. Wow. And that was money that either is put in the collective by alumni and big donors and there's now a movement that the school is just going to directly pay the players, give them a 1099, right? Tax them on it, the whole bit, depending on your respective, uh, you know, state's laws. Yeah. And if that happens, how does that affect Title IX? Title IX is, is, is very simple. From 1972, what you do, especially for public institutions, what you do for men's sports, you have to do for women. There's proportionality. The school like Duquesne, you know, we are 64% female so 64 percent of your students yeah athletes should be females right so there's budgetary things you have to watch well how is this all going to affect that because the money so far was external it was coming from outside the university now it's going to come inside and uh that could uh be very interesting how that plays out and then just today i saw marvin harrison uh the star uh, fred Bolitnikoff, the best wide receiver in the uh college at Ohio State, he has offered $20 million for one year to possibly stay for another year at Ohio State and not to- 20 million, 20 million. 20 million for one player Jeez. to stay in college above and beyond all the other things he's gotten. And that is actually more lucrative than if he was a top five NFL pick. Well, so what do you think he's going to do? Yes, well, it's a great situation to be in, but uh, nil has uh, really, really kicked in now. We're still trying to figure it out who's paying what. And uh, I can tell you, these assistant coaches in football right now, they are making phone calls, they are looking at videotape, they're trying to find out what kind of character some of these guys that are in the transfer portal. We don't want to bring in a cancer that's going to cause problems. Yeah. Uh, What kind of person is he? What kind of player is, is he? And should we offer them a scholarship? And they're, they're working like around the clock trying to figure this thing out. And only more and more players are going to go into it for football. And then before you know it by April 1st, you know, many of the, uh, the basketball guys of the 354 division one programs will go into it because they're not starting. They're not getting enough touches. They're not getting enough shots. And it's just going to keep, um, Keep growing. That's insane. But like you said, it's really taking off now. The Neil, it really it, is. It sure is. And then once the schools start paying, well, that and that changes everything too. Yeah, but I, that reminds me of what Richard said. You know, I mean, yes, we're talking about student athletes, but yeah, I think the average salary of a student athletes, it's what like two or three thousand a year. So, as much as we talk about that, right? It's right. Like the majority of the players who can really make big money. Right, right. It's a small amount of players, small percentage that are really going to cash in. Yeah. Well, hey, look, we we at the end of the podcast, but as always, great insights. I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you, Julian. Thank you. Okay. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. 
To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.